Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. weekend kicked off the official start of the football season welcome we've got a monster for you with a ton of football today we'll have Tommy Waddle join us of course Michelle Tafoya as well coming up but Colts fans I'm wearing you baby because we're all Colts fans here in Indianapolis but man oh man we can't get enough of chaos remember in the middle of the summer Isaiah Rogers decided that well, he was going to get suspended, probably lose his career, Colts cornerback, because ah, he's going to bet on football games, including his own team. In the locker room, in the facility, in the building, Isaiah Rogers, he gone. That was one of the stories, but now comes a much bigger story. Star running back Jonathan Taylor is demanding a trade. Look, hey, outkick, I'm demanding $100 million. Neither are going to happen. You're not trading Jonathan Taylor. First off, no one's going to pay him what he wants with his over-market value. We'll get into all of that. Second, the Colts have him for another few years this year, and then they can franchise him for two more. Now, you got to understand, Jonathan Taylor is shocking to us because Jonathan Taylor has always been the guy that shows up at practice, has always been the guy that kind of just keeps his mouth shut, and when he says something, it's pretty smart stuff. Seems like he was above all this crap, but he's got a Wiz Khalifa Suge Knight kind of looking agent, and apparently all things have gone to hell. But let me tell you what's really going on here. When you look at the Colts, and no one's going to understand this, for years and years and years, I have told you that Chris Ballard and this organization is a fraud, a complete fraud. It is built on a house of sand. It is built with PR. It is built with appeasement more than accountability. It has been built flawed because, well, frankly, it's built as a team inside out. Massive contracts have gone to big, fat linemen. No regard for wide receivers. No regard for weapons. And and this is the real problem, and you will not hear this anywhere else. Players don't want to play there. I'm going to tell you exactly why players don't want to play there. You can tell the general manager is full of crap. He's like a Baptist preacher. He's this guy, he sits there, he wears his little hat. He never played in college. He acts like he played in college, so he has no cachet with him. If he never said anything about playing in college, no one would care. But when you act like you played at Wisconsin and you never played it down at Wisconsin, you got no cachet. And when the guy that you always talk about is Jeff Van Gundy, who never won nothing, you got no cachet with really good players. Andrew Luck, out, gone. You can say it's injuries. It just shows you don't know. You can say it's no offensive line. It just shows you don't know. The dude played 16 games and a Pro Bowl his last year and out. He did not want to play for this regime. He did not want to play for Frank Reich. He did not want to play for Chris Ballard. I heard his dad on the phone talking about it in Europe. I was right there. Out. Philip Rivers. One year, $25 million. They asked him for another year. No, I don't want to be a part of this. No. Now, I know people will make excuses. I know they will say, well, he wanted to be with his family. Really? Oh, okay. 
Sure he did. How about Stephon Gilmore? Let's fast forward. Stephon Gilmore last year was going to be the savior. Oh, my God, the leadership. Oh, my God, we got a defensive player of the year here. Yeah, he wanted out, demanded to be traded. The Colts got a fifth-round pick for him. That's what they got. That's all they got. Now, this guy, this guy here, their star running back, out. He wants gone. I've told you this forever. I'm spitting. I'm screaming. I just hocked a big loogie. It's gross. Don't look at me. I hope we go slow. If uh, They all want out, and it isn't Jimmy Ursay's fault. Jimmy Ursay will pay, but Jimmy Ursay is starting to take over his team. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. That's exactly right. Jimmy Ursay knows there's a fundamental problem with his team. He knows there's a fundamental problem with his general manager, but he did not fire him. Why? He didn't want to go through the hassle of it. Just didn't want to do it. Got rid of the coach at midseason. His call for Jeff Saturday, but he is neutered as general manager. Let me ask you, Colts fans, over the last 72 hours, have you heard anything from Chris Ballard? Hell no. Why? Because Jimmy Ursay knows what I have been telling you. I've been told by people close to Ursay that he absolutely knows this is a fraudulent organization. Now he knows it. Now he understands it. So he keeps Ballard for whatever the reason. Didn't want to go through the hassle, but he takes over the reins. His daughters are helping here. His daughters are wearing headsets on the sideline. His daughters are taking notes in coaches' candidate meetings. You don't understand this. I'm trying to help you. But all the while, all the while, we're being told this guy Ballard is great. And all the while, I've been telling you, this is a house of sand. People don't want to play here. In Gakwe, oh, he was going to change the deal. Mike Lombardi comes on our show and says, watch. It's the reason he's been on five teams in six years. He runs by the quarterback. He's a fraud. The media told us Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe, this guy's great. Look, he's trying to do things for teachers, blah, 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 blah. No. The curse, not the curse, the cause is Chris Ballard's culture. The culture of appeasement. No accountability. It works for bottom, bottom feeders. It works for guys that aren't great players, but great players want to be coached. I told you forever. And this came from Ryan Grigson. The one thing about Andrew Luck is he wanted to be coached. He said it on my shows. He didn't want to be coddled. He didn't like Pagano's coddling. He liked Grigson's tough love. He didn't like this regime's crap. I heard his dad say it. So now you've got another player who's like, look, you're not going to pay me. I want out. But it doesn't start there. It starts the fact that he knows the Colts can't win. He knows that this is an organization who allowed the right guard, left guard, to MF, mother blank, the general manager, on the practice field and understood that the general manager thought it was great. Oh, I love when players do that. This is the softest, most ridiculous organization, and great players know it. Great players understand it, and great players don't want to be a part of it. Sure, this is about money. Of course this is about money. But anyone, you can't swing a dead cat in the NFL and get paid as a running back. So his agent knows, he knows, this isn't about going somewhere else and getting more money. This is about 
I want out of here because this organization is going nowhere. So then the local idiots in Indy who are so stupid, so bad. Stephen Holder is so bad, the writer for the for ESPN, the guy you see representing all of us. He's so freaking dumb, hasn't broke a story. He and Mike Chappell, God bless Mike Chappell, they put out that Jonathan Taylor had back pain. Here's Jonathan Taylor, never had a back pain, never reported back pain, not sure who your sources are. They're just so bad. These are the same people that told you that Chris Ballard is a great general manager. National media, still a great general manager? You told us that too. So that's the deal. This isn't about money. Jonathan Taylor knows he's not getting paid anywhere else. He knows he's not getting traded anywhere else. He has to do what he has to do. He has to stand up for himself because, frankly, the Colts are being kind of tough with him and no player likes it anymore. Owners are taking their teams back. Owners are saying, look, We've had enough of you. We're tired of you. Now, quarterback, different deal. Quarterback, way different deal. Quarterback, you do whatever you want. But the rest of these guys, owners are saying, screw you, Jonathan Taylor. This is what the market is. You sign the deal. We ain't budget. Same thing going on with the Cowboys. Zach Martin lives over here somewhere. Zach Martin, the greatest offensive guard in the league. All right. Zach Martin's sitting out. You know what? Jerry Jones don't care. He's been at the top of the money the whole time. If you make that adjustment, then you don't have the money to pay the guys on their first contract. It has nothing to do with him. It's not about precedent. It's about facts. We need the money to pay Parsons. We need the money to pay the players. We got to pay in the future. That's a fact. He also said if you sit out, Zach, there's going to be consequences. See, I told you this before. Owners in the NFL are just different. They're not these corporations. They're individuals. And at some point, individuals, particularly ones that pay attention, like Jerry Jones, who played a little bit back in the day, or Jimmy Ursay, who was a GM who aspired to be a player. These guys are starting to take their teams back. These guys are starting to say, wait a second. We've got the greatest franchises in the world outside of Premier League soccer. These things are worth so much. Why are we acquiescing to some guys that we don't have to acquiesce to? We're being fair with Zach Martin. He's been paid more than anybody else. We're being fair with Jonathan Taylor. This is what the market demands. But you're never going to hear this from people. You're going to hear that Earth's agent idiot or like the Indy Star columnist, oh, well, it's the agent. That's not the agent. It's not the agent. There's no chance in hell Jonathan Taylor... Is that stupid to listen to a guy who thinks he's a uh, wannabe Wiz Khalifa or listen to a guy that thinks he's Shug Knight's, uh, I don't know, whatever you call it, NFT? No. No. And good for the owners. I told you this long time ago. There will be a time because I got this from NFL people. I don't get this stuff from other media people. I get this stuff from people inside the NFL which is why I've never been wrong on this Colts stuff, which is why when everybody in the world was telling you Chris Ballard's the greatest GM ever, I told you it was a house of cards built on crap, built on falsehoods, built on PR. And I also told you that NFL teams are going to start taking their teams back. Not a quarterback. Quarterback's a whole different deal. 
But when you start, I'm holding out. I'm going to show you. All right, look what happened with Saquon Barkley. I'm holding out. I'm going to show you. Yeah, I guarantee you the next day the Giants say, hey, man, good, good luck to you. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's still $10 million in my pocket. Look what's happening with Jonathan Taylor. Jimmy Ursay usually doesn't say those things. Usually very player-friendly. says, hey, look, man, if I'm gone and you're gone, the NFL's still going to roll on. And it's going to roll on if you're alive without $10 million. And you're going to have $10 million less. And I got to tell you, mm, owners taking their team back is good for you and it's good for me. We don't see these whiny little prisons. We don't see these guys. We see real teams winning. Hey, that's a real football player. That's a tough football player. Remember when his mommy was in the, oh, my God, football is great. You don't get concussion stuff. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I drift off sometimes into personal things. I thought his mother's deal was so stupid. In fact, I ripped it, and she took herself off it. It was so stupid when she was doing ads to play football. It was so idiotic. But, hey, look, it is a mother. Who cares? Whatever. What are you going to do? But anyway, so Jerry Jones says, hey, man, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm telling you, I want a million. I want a hundred million. I already got a million. I want a hundred million. Jonathan Taylor wants traded. We're going to get the same result. Yeah, good. I want a 10-inch peep. Never mind. Hey, don't go there, Dan. Sometimes you go places. Come on, Double D. Don't go to those places. You already got that, by the way. Anyway, I digress. Sean Payton's an idiot. And I love that Aaron Rodgers said, hey, Sean Payton, keep your guy's name out of my mouth. So Sean Payton. Sean Payton, he of the Nathaniel Hackett's, the worst coach I've ever seen. There's a new sheriff in town. It's me. I'm in Denver. We're going to do everything backwards. The previous regime isn't up to snuff. Blah, 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 blah. All right, let's hear what Sean Payton said as he apologized. What? He apologized for his comments. Let's hear it. Made the papers. Uh, I was just wondering why. Why are you... Yeah, listen, I had, I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and, and not my coaching hat on. And, uh, you know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran, um, you know, stepping in it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for me. Look, Sean Payton had to backtrack because he was really, really stupid. But I'll tell you this, Aaron Rodgers wasn't having it. Let's hear and see the great man, I guess, the great hallucinogenic man, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I love Nathaniel Hackett, and those comments were very surprising. Um, to, for a coach to do that to another coach, my love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Captain Touch, um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity, and. It made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of 
easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. Thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that's good. Your coach's name out of his mouth. We're all for that, and I think he's right. And that was really well said by Aaron Rodgers. What? What Sean Payton did, and I'm going to give you a coach's perspective on this, what Sean Payton did was kind of natural, except he just said it out loud. When Sean Payton or any other coach comes into a program, usually my way's better. There's a reason I'm here, people. Just keep that in mind. If if the previous regime had done so well, I wouldn't need to be here. Yeah, we all get that, all right? We all get that. And Nathaniel Hackett got on the wrong side of the media early, and we understand that. And don't think for a second, don't think for a second that Sean Payton didn't know that Nathaniel Hackett was on the wrong side of the media. He knew that he was, so he knew he could take a cheap shot at a guy, and he, well, he misfigured, or whatever you want to call it, because when he did, people were like, what are you doing? But he thought Nathaniel Hackett was an easy target. He thought he would be on the right side of the media with this. He thought that the media would jump in with this, and he thought wrong. So shame on you. You know better. This guy was a scab in the league who somehow, someway has overcome being a scab. Now, me being from a union town, I don't necessarily hate scabs, but I don't respect him either. So this guy's a scab. And he's making fun of or ripping on a kid, a guy, who had been a coach his entire life. So this scab needs to shut the hell up. And I'm glad somebody, somebody, somebody called it out. You know, you got to be real careful in the world that we live in. There are certain things that apparently are out of bounds. You know, Nazis and Hitler and all that kind of stuff are totally out of bounds. Slavery, out of bounds, at least for most people, okay? Ah, my friend, my friend Pat McAfee, uh, he got involved in something that he shouldn't have got involved in, and that is Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser is off limits, except I will say this, and I will always say this. The students at Michigan State that dealt with Larry Nasser were done a massive disservice by the media of Michigan State being so in pocket with the university in East Lansing, that they had to go elsewhere. They had to go to Maria Kwiatkowski. They had to go to Tim Evans. They had to go to Mark Alicia because everybody there, and I've said this for a long, long time, long time, but you can't really make fun of Larry Nasser in, 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 relative to anything else. You got to be very careful. Let's show you what Pat did. Here's what Pat did. Um, And people are freaking out. I still can't believe Michigan State thought it was okay to roll out these uniforms. And then here's Pat's tweet. And this is tough. I think Nasser was in on the design team, actually. You got to stay away from that. You just do. You know, you just do. So people are coming at Pat's head, and Pat will be fine. You know, this is one of those deals where Pat is with ESPN. The money that they're giving him, they'll say, hey, Pat, just be careful here. You know, people are saying, well, we think ESPN is going to come and crush Pat. No, they're paying him too much money. They're paying him way too much money. They just are. I mean, look, uh, there is a pecking order. In fact, I would argue that Norby Williamson and the guys that are the bosses are right now a bit afraid of Pat because Pat has the cool factor from people. But Pat needs to learn from this, and Pat needs to stay away from Nasser, Hitler. Got to stay away from Hitler. 
There's nothing funny, nothing interesting about, there's nothing but awfulness, ridiculous, horribleness when it comes to Hitler. Some people have been trying to outsmart themselves. No, no. And really, you should stay away from slavery. Uh, you just kind of should. Those are just things that you, you just got to be careful of. You just got to say, I'm not doing it. But Pat went in the, I don't know if he crossed the line. I personally could care less. One thing I've learned in my life, particularly as I've gotten older, these words don't bother. These words, I don't care what you write. I don't care what you do. And I don't care who comes back at you. But I hope Pat learns because frankly, when you go to this, when you joke about something relative to this, you are going to get torched. Whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I'll let you decide. I don't really have any problem with any. I, I just don't. I, I, I don't. You know, I mean, everybody can have a problem. Everybody can get mad. Everybody can jump up and down, stand in their head and crap snowballs. But it's really not my deal. It, it's just not something that I'm going to lose my mind over like people are losing my mind. I just hope Pat understand. Man, don't even mess around with it. Don't even mess around with Nasser unless you're talking about something factual. Don't even mess around with Hitler ever, ever, ever. I've seen a lot of idiots try to outsmart the world relative to Hitler or, or, or something like sexual predators. No, just don't involve, move along, nothing to see here, and let your guys work their magic. Everybody's funny, everybody's great, everybody's awesome, and just let it go. We'll keep you up to date on anything going on with Jonathan Taylor, but my peeps are telling me, let me go back to that just for a second. Let me go back to a couple things. My peeps are telling me, number one, there's no chance he's getting traded. No chance. There's a better chance of him getting an extension than him getting traded, which would go against my rant that teams are taking their teams back. Owners are taking their teams back. Here's the bottom line. on Taylor wants $16 million. That's what Taylor wants. The Colts want to pay market value. The Colts have all of the leverage. There is no leverage by saying you want to get traded. There's no leverage there. What are you going to do, not show up? What are you going to do, not play well? What are you going to do, jake it? Then go ahead. Now who really is going to want you? Yeah, but when I go over there and I get my feelings helped, not hurt, because they're hurt here, they'll be helped there, then I'll play hard. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that on their team. So Jonathan Taylor has zero leverage. The only thing Jonathan Taylor can do is give himself about 20 minutes at a steel mill. Give himself right along with cops. Give himself about a half an hour just walking with your mailman, your UPS guy. And then $10 million ain't going to look so bad, Jonathan Taylor. $10 million is going to look pretty damn good. Well, I run the ball. Good for you. I do too. But you don't do it every day. Guy working in a steel mill like my Uncle Jerry, he showed up every day for 45 years or whatever it was. Every day. You show up on Sundays. You take Monday off, Tuesday off. You get back at it a little bit on Wednesday for a couple hours. You get back a little bit on Thursday. Stop. And you're still going to make $10 million. Look, I understand everybody says you could have got into Harvard or Yale or wherever. Sure you could. I'm sure you could. Yay, Rod, go fight. When those stories always get embellished. But the fact of the matter is, Jonathan Taylor, as I always say, take that Wisconsin degree. It's one of the best public institutions in the country. And let's see how long or if you can ever get 10 mil out of it. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think 10 mil's coming your way. So I will always tell you this. Sympathy is between shit and syphilis in the dictionary, and I got none for Jonathan Taylor, and I got none for Zach Martin. And I love, don't like, love the fact 
that teams are take owners are taking back their teams. I love it. You're holding out, Saquon Barkley. All right, good for you, man. Ten minutes later, let me sign on the dotted line. You're going to be traded, Jonathan Taylor. Hey, Jonathan, let me tell you something, son. If you die, I die. NFL moves on. If you're out of the NFL, I'm out of the NFL. The NFL moves on. Remember what a big deal it was? Oh, my God, it was a huge deal when Andrew Luck quit. Andrew Luck is a quitter. Hey, he is. Andrew Luck quit. He quit. Guess what? The NFL went on. Guess what? The NFL kept on kicking, and I love them. And that's exactly what this is about. This is about two things. One, the culture of the coach is so ridiculous, so bad, that players don't want to play there. It's not Jimmy Ursay. Not. It's Chris Ballard. And Jimmy Ursay knows it. And Jimmy Ursay is saying, screw you, Chris Ballard. Have you heard one word out of Ballard during this whole time? One word, one word, ever, of course not. You haven't heard nothing since, no, and you won't. That's one. Number two, guess what? Colts are taking their team back. They're saying, yeah, okay, we're going to take our team back. We're going to start being accountable. We're going to start being a real NFL team. Look, you could argue the Colts have been a horse bleep organization for a long time. They had Peyton Manning, and they won one title in 14 years. Manning went to two Super Bowls in four years with the Broncos. Four years, two Super Bowls. One uh, Went to two Super Bowls in 14 years with the Colts. So you can argue that maybe he is the problem, but right now, the problem ain't him. The problem is Chris Ballard and the culture that has been set. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. We're going to talk about football basically all day. We just are. Tommy Waddle is going to join us, and I can't wait. I've been reading a lot about the Bears. I've been reading about all these draft shows. I want to get Tommy Waddle's perception. You know Tommy from WMVP AM 1000 in Chicago, one of the best radio hosts in the country, Waddle and Sylvie, one of the greatest radio shows in the country. But here's the deal. Tommy Waddle was a player. And I'm curious, maybe Tommy Waddle doesn't think the same way that I do. Maybe he doesn't think that owners are taking their teams back. Maybe he thinks Jonathan Taylor is on the right. Maybe he thinks that players should actually take their contracts back and do what Le'Veon Bell did, which is sit out. I honestly don't know what Tommy thinks, but I'm anxious to find out. He's the perfect guest for today. So is Michelle Tafoya. Michelle Tafoya is going to join us coming up at 10 o'clock. Teams are taking their teams back, and I love it. Aaron Rodgers is saying, screw you, scab, talking about Sean Payton, and I love it. Jonathan Taylor got his little feelings hurt, his Wiz Khalifa wannabe agent, his uh, Shug Knight wannabe looking fat, bald, uh, gold-chained agent is out here. The Indy Star doesn't know who to blame because they don't know nothing about what they're talking about. The local idiots of the indie print media, they decided, oh, man, it's the agent's fault. Oh, man. No, no, no. It's the culture of the Colts that is built on a house of sand. It is not built on rock. It is not built on concrete. Built 
on sand. And if you're mad at Pat McAfee, yeah, be mad at Pat McAfee. What are you going to do? Don't get your don't get your titties in a twist or whatever they say. What are you going to do? No big deal. None of this stuff's a big deal. It really isn't. We're just looking. In Pat McAfee's case, people are just looking now. They're just looking. Ah, oh, man. He went to the devil ESPN. They're going to scrutinize him. ESPN is. Oh, they are. But Pat can handle it. Just don't mess around with that. And don't mess around with Hitler. Don't ever mess around with Nasser in that, in that vein. And don't ever mess around with Hitler. Ever. Never, ever. No. No, 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 no. Uh, Archie Manning's trading card is the highest selling through Panini America's website, beating out a one-of-one Luka Doncic National Treasures card that sold for 100000 Arch Manning's going to be third string. I've seen videos of Manning's kid. I don't know. It's a good-looking kid. I don't know. Eh. Eh. If his last name was Dockage, I don't think he would have been the number one recruit in the country. Eh. Great-looking kid. Big future ahead. And when I go, you know there's something wrong. Archman, proceeds are going to go to the Central Texas nonprofit with the help of St. David's Healthcare and St. David's Foundation. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. That's when you know you got a lot of money when you're an 18-year-old and you can give 100000 away. That's when you know the family's got some jack, family's got some green. And they deserve it. By the way, Peyton just said the, and everybody laughed. Tommy Waddle next on the Bears and the Jonathan Taylor situation. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You know, it's rare that there is a combination of, well, incredibly handsome, incredibly smart, common sense, articulate, compassionate because he likes his dog, 
and yeah. all-knowing, and that's my next guest. That's Tom Waddle. You see him, you know him, you love him. 16 years with Sylvie, you and Sylvie. Congratulations, yeah. my friend. Thank you, Danny. I am considered the most patient man in all of radio. <laughs> Don't tell Sylvie I said that, okay? Don't tell him I said that. By the way, you're wearing a Colts shirt. Is everything okay with you and the Colts? All about with me and the Colts, but I wanted to get your take on Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. The market is what the market is. Taylor wants a trade. I want $100 million. I think it's going to end up the same. Neither are getting what they want. You know, it's, it's, it's the topic of conversation in the NFL right now, and, and, and I'm glad you used the word market. Look, I'm a free market guy. I think you got to let markets kind of do their own work, whether it's in the financial world. That's obviously another conversation you and I can have at a different time because we're both very astute businessmen. But also in the world of sports, like I, I hate to see it be, because, you know, these guys play an integral part of, of every offense. But you realize it hasn't been, I think, it's been 13 years since a running back has won the MVP in the National Football League. And the points I'm making is, is that there's been a national evolution, you know, a natural rather evolution uh, of the game. And it's become more of a passing game. And unfortunately, for the running back position, uh, it's not as, as, as well, it's not in focus as much as it once was. And I think the market is telling you that, that GMs are willing to spend on left tackles. They're willing to spend on wide receivers. They're willing to spend, obviously, on quarterbacks. But now, uh, because of the shelf life of, of running backs, I don't think that the value is there that exists at other positions. I will say this, though, Danny. I think that you have to look at some of these cases individually. Like when the, the Kansas City Chiefs don't need to pay a running back $10, $15 million a year. In fact, they won the Super Bowl with a combination of Jarek McKinnon, a, a veteran who's a great receiver out of the backfield, and a seventh-round rookie in, in Isaiah Pacheco. If you're the Giants, and I think more of Daniel Jones probably than, than a lot of others. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think he plays the position very efficiently. They probably need to spend a little bit more money on their running back. So I think it, it varies from team to team, but just in general terms, the market is, is basically decided that running backs are not nearly as valuable as they once were. Well, to your point, that's what a lot of Colts fans are saying. Look, we don't have weapons at wide receiver. We've got the kid Alec Pierce. We've got Pittman. Both are, you know, unproven to be really good. I mean, Pittman's okay. So yeah. maybe this team is different. But Jimmy Ursay, man, he's not budging. I feel like between Jerry Jones and Zach Martin, what's going on there, and I feel with Jimmy Ursay not budging and being public, I feel like it's almost like owners are saying, hey, screw you. We're taking our teams back here. Well, Dan, when was the last time an owner didn't take that approach regardless of sports? If they've got the hammer, they're going to swing it, you know? And I think what they're doing is they're using the collectively bargained system that exists. And look, the the, you know, I'm not a, a capologist or I can't pretend to understand all of it from, you know, start to finish. But the franchise tag was put in place so that that teams could keep their stars and and right now, that's exactly what Joe Shane did in, in New York. And it looks like what other teams are doing around the league as well, saying, hey, look, this is the franchise tag. It's $10.1 million for running backs. And, and you may not like it. And I'm sorry if this creates some sort of friction, but we're going to use this, you know, this device that we have built in that was collectively bargained. And um, this is how we're going to roll and no hard feelings. And I'm sure there are hard feelings, but they're going to say no hard feelings. But this is this is what the market is telling us. And we're just playing 
along with the rules. That's that's how the owners are approaching it at this point at that position. A lot of people my age and your age are, are having a hard time figuring it out because I grew up Walter Payton's best football player I ever saw, O.J. Simpson, you know, whatever he did. But as a running back guy, everybody had a Earl Campbell. Everybody had this. And now it's like, eh. But when the, you know, I, what, what is Jonathan Taylor's recourse here? Does he really have a recourse other than to sit out, I guess? Well, I, I refresh my memory. Did they tag him like the Giants did Barkley? No, he's on his land. He has a year left, and then they can tag him a couple. Okay. Um, look, I, I think I, I'll speak specifically, like to Barkley. When you're tagged, and that's your offer, that that's what you get. Like, like Saquon Barkley's only option was to either play or sit out. And if you sit out, you don't get the ten point one million dollars. Like, the, he had no leverage, and I think that's why he went back and. Decided. Look, I, I, maybe it's not fair, but I, my life, my you know, the lifespan, you know, from pro- professional angle of an NFL player is very short. It's less than four years now. You know that number's brought way down for for a number of of, of reasons, and, and his career will last longer than that. But you got to get your money when you can. So, look, I don't know what the Colts are going to do again with the situation that they have on on offense. I would think that the getting on the same page with Jonathan Taylor is going to be vital to the development of whoever's under center for you guys this year. So, uh, again, I would look at Indy as a place like I do the the Giants where, you know, uh, the running back position maybe is more valuable there than it is in other places that rely more on throwing the football. We got energy in Chicago, don't we? There's energy for the Bears, right? There's a little momentum here. Yeah, yeah, like, look, you would – some on the outside may, may question that a little bit for a team that was coming off a 3-14 and 14 season, but that was by design, you know. And, and I give Ryan Poles, our general manager, a ton of credit because you know, Danny, that everyone who's involved in sports, whether you're a coach, you're a player, you're a front office guy, you want to win. And, and Ryan Poles steps into this job and in his rookie season as the GM says, look, we're going to tear this thing down to the studs. All 14 of those losses go on his record. Um so that's a, di- a difficult decision to make, and I think it was the prudent one, and I and I was a, a huge proponent of what they did. Now's you know tearing down is the easy part, building it back up is the difficult part. But I think that you know there's a lot of optimism. They made a really nice trade with Carolina, dealing the first round pick. Um, they 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 picked up DJ Moore. They picked up a future one. They used the tenth overall selection on a kid out of Tennessee who's going to be their right tackle that they love. Um, you know, they, they've improved the offensive huddle. And now the big question in this town is, is can Justin Fields, who was electric in some ways last year, can he improve on the passing game? And can this offense become one of those offenses that takes an enormous leap? And now do the Bears really have something to, to roll with? And, and I think that that's obviously the question. I think as I look at the 2023 season with the Chicago Bears, the most important issue that needs to be decided between now and the end of the season is they have to decide whether or not Justin Fields is their guy for the future. I think that there is some optimism about that being the case, but you've got to decide on his fifth year at the end of this season. And Ryan Poles did a really nice job, as I said, acquiring another first round pick in a trade for the first overall pick this past draft. And so he's got options. I know their preferences is to develop Justin and him take that next step in the passing game, and they're off to the races with him. But if for whatever reason the unthinkable happens and he doesn't make that next step, 
then they have a couple of first round picks that they could package so they can pivot and go in a different direction. So I think the general manager in a very short period of time has done a really nice job positioning this team. There's something I really like about Justin Fields. I don't know. I watch him. I kind of like him. I, I, is there something you really like? Do you like the whole package? Are you concerned? Where are you at with him? I, I really like the kid, and it starts with me with the intangibles. Uh, like, we can talk about the electricity that he provides out there. Hardest worker in the building, and I know that's a cliche, but, but many will tell you that's true. A guy that will lead and guys will follow him, wants to learn, um, you know, is not a prima donna, is a guy that really is somebody. And I think that, look, Dan, I think that, I, I first of all, I think if, 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 if Bryce Young was a little bigger uh, and Justin didn't have those intangibles, drafting a quarterback would have been maybe a little bit tougher decision for Ryan Poles at the, the, at the, at the draft this year. But I think they really love what this kid is all about, what he's made of. He's obviously electric. Like I, I'll argue with anyone right now. He's the best running quarterback in the league. And I would tell you, he's one of the top five runners of the football, regardless of position in the league. I think it's six, three and 225 pounds and can run a four, four. I think he caught people off guard last year in the NFL, which is hard to do. Like you'll talk to defenders and they said, wow, we didn't realize the combination <laughs> of strength until we saw it up front and, and, and close. And, and I think that he really opened up some eyes. Um, I think that the kid, I loved what he said at one point during the season when everyone was asking him, he ran for over 1,100 yards, and at one point the, the media was asking him, do you want to set the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback? And the kid said, no, I want to set passing records. You know, so like, and he's a kid that's very self-aware, that he knows that he needs to be better in certain areas and he needs to clean up his mechanics and the fundamentals got to be better uh, he can do the outrageous. The spectacular is there. All I've I've been screaming this for two years now, and I think we saw some progress at the halfway point last year with it. Do simple better. You know, at this level, you can't read the the defense deep to long. You know, at Ohio State, with no disrespect to your Hoosiers, at some point he's going to sit back in the pocket at Ohio State, have four seconds to throw it, and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to run a post dig combo, and somebody's getting behind your safety down there. And then he, what he does is launches it to the middle of the goalpost and one of his guys runs under it because they just had great talent. In this league, you know, everybody's good. So sometimes you just got to, when you drop back and your back, you know, drives out to the flat or your tight end just swings out to the right, don't read the defense deep to short. Read it short to deep. But just get the ball in the hands of your guys. Hit your layups. Your completion percentage goes up. Um, you know, you build some confidence. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic because I know how hard he works and I know that DJ Moore is going to give him help and they've been upgraded the offense of, of huddle, but I'm a realist as well. And that completion percentage needs to get from 60 to 65 and you need to be cleaner with some of the stuff he does. They've got to take an en enormous step forward in the passing game um, or they're going to be a one-dimensional offense. Tommy, let me let me go to a, a couple positions. Left tackle and tight end. Where are the Bears with left tackle? Where are the Bears with tight end? Those are kind of important in a passing game, modern NFL. Yeah, it, 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 
Ryan Poles, I think, hit with Braxton Jones, who was a rookie left tackle last year who played every single snap of offense for this team. No other rookie did that. I'm not so sure how many guys in the league actually did that. There were times where he was overpowered a little bit, but for the most part, he really held his own. He's a smart kid. He's a hard worker. He needs to get a little bit a little heavier and a little stronger, and I think he's worked on that in the offseason. So I think that they're really happy with him. Tight end, I, I, I like what their offensive coordinator, Luke Getzey's done because he realized about a quarter of the way through the season last year that Cole Komet is a good tight end, but he's an inline wide tight end, which means he's got to play next to the tackle. If you split him out and ask him to do what Travis Kelsey does or George Kittle does or even Hawkinson now in, in Minnesota, that's just not what he's, he's good at. Um, so they've put him in a position to take advantage of what he does. And he does that quite well. They added Robert Tunyon and this free agent who played in, in green Bay the last couple of years. And is more of one of these guys that can play in the slot and affect safeties in the seam. So they got a nice combination. So I, I like what they've done, um, at the tight end position because they've recognized who they are and what they do well. And the left tackle, like I said, you know, for a rookie last year and a small school, I think he was from Southern Utah or somewhere, or Utah State, wherever he was, where he's from. But but he stepped up into the the big leagues and actually held his own. And, and my guess is is he's going to be even better in year two. So, yeah, they've they've made some improvements, Dan, in their offensive. Huddle. Now, look, I, I'm not telling you they're going to be the Chiefs, but. Like last year, they were garbage. They were 28th in the league in yards per game. They threw it for about 140 yards per game. But I'm expecting better things from them this year. Tommy, I'm three games out in the loss column. Cubs are on fire. I know they got beat last <laughs> night. I, 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 do I have hope? Do I have? Leg- I know they beat bad teams. I, I get all that. I don't care about. It. Do how much hope do I have? Because I always have hope. How much hope do I? I have? I think you have hope because you reside in the National League Central, which, by the way, if you don't know, uh, the Reds are on top right now. And I'm a Reds fan. So I, I, this, I, I'm i an impartial uh, observer of baseball here in Chicago because I know how passionate the Cubs fans are. If, if this was two weeks ago, I would have told you they got to sell. Like, they got to trade Bellinger because Bellinger's basically when, when, when the Angels said Otani's not on the market, Bellinger's probably the the most prized trade possession out there. Cubs have taken him off the market. Stroman's come back to earth since the all-star break. I think he's got an eight ERA since the break. Uh, Two weeks ago, I would tell you it would be silly not to trade these guys. But now, look, you're right. They beat up on the Nationals, the Cardinals twice, and the White Sox, and they've won 10 of their last 12 games. You got a chance, again, because the division, you know, Milwaukee and Cincinnati, as much as I'd love to tell you the Reds are going to run away from people, I don't think that's the case. I don't think, and and as I said, they took Bellinger off the trade market from what we understand. I don't know how much of a buyer they're going to be. I think they're going to be more of a stand pat. Maybe they'll add a bullpen arm. I, Danny, they, 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 the last time they were 500 was May 6th. I mean, so... (laughs) Like, again, I don't want to take anything away from them, but there's a good chance in my humble, you know, idiotic baseball opinion that the second half of the season could mirror what you saw in the first half. And there were a couple of nice runs, but guess who you got in the next couple of weeks? You get four with the Reds starting tonight. You get three with Atlanta, three in New York, and three with Toronto. So I say, yes, you got a shot because, again, you play in a very mediocre division. 
but I think you'll know more about this team in two weeks. This is a big series, Tommy. This is a big is. series in Cincinnati. It's a big series, right? You want to bet on something? You want to have a little bet? Yeah. 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 What, what do you got? Come on. I don't have. Huh? I don't have. I just got through my first wedding of four daughters, and I've got another couple, three years of tuition for my last daughter. So, like, look, I'm running on E right now. So, we, if we're betting, it's going to be something simple. Like, I'll send you a pizza or something. I'll say, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll send you St. Elmo shrimps, and you okay. send me a, a Giordano's pie, something like that. Okay. Good. But you got to win. Like, obviously, you know, this is a four-game set. So if it's 2-2, we'll we'll meet up at a different time. But the winner's getting yeah. something from the other. Yeah. Done. Book it. Tell Sylvia hello and congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Always good to talk to you, Danny. Yeah, a little St. Elmo sauce. That's too hot for you guys, <laughs> by the way. That thing gets up in the nose. That thing that thing, that thing will get you. Hey, it's a big series. What can I tell you? Life is better, fellas. Thanks to Tommy Waddle for coming on. Life is better when I got appointment TV for my fat ass. I get to go sit down and go, all right, Cubs Reds tonight. Yes, let's go. So whatever I do all day after this, I'm going to speak to a bunch of cops, try to get them to donate or trying to get them to start their own docket cycles for the city. And then I don't know what I'm doing, but it's all setting up to watch the Cubs tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I've got hope. Down with dope, up with hope is what I always say. Speaking of baseball, the Mets have said, all right, I got the highest payroll in the history of the world. I don't know what I'm doing. We're a mess. Steve Cohen bought them. Everybody this summer is telling me how good the Mets are going to be. Hey, how about this? So they get rid of Verlander. Listen to this. You'll like this. This is unbelievable to me. Verlander becomes the first player in Major League Baseball history History to be paid by four teams. Did I say one team? No. Did I say two teams? No. Scherzer, not Verlander. Thank you, Nick. Sometimes I get overly excited. Listen to this. This is per John Sherman. In order to facilitate the Scherzer trade, the Mets are paying Scherzer $8 million more than they owe him, $36.6 million. Listen to this. I'm sorry, the Mets are paying 36.6. The Nationals are paying 15. The Rangers, the team, the guy that he is playing for, they're only paying $6.7 million. Awesome. God bless Scherzer. God bless Scherzer. God bless baseball. Why didn't I take, why didn't I, a little later. I mean, come on. Jeez. Hey, uh, this is a troubling report. You know, I don't dislike LeBron James. I know LeBron James is viewed as a family man, but the stuff he does when he comes to Indy, you can't really say you're a family man and do that, but I don't even get into that. But LeBron James is school. Like, here's the deal. LeBron James come out, and he's got this I Promise Academy, which he bills as his own. He's given some money, but mostly it's Akron-funded, Akron Public School-funded. But LeBron James's school has literally had nobody, zero, zip, nada, that passed the state math test. I mean, what are we doing here? 
LeBron James's school is not a sham. LeBron James's school is just a hey, look. Uh, no eighth graders pass the state exam. None. Zero pass the state math test. Not a single student in its fall eighth grade passed the state math test since they were in third grade. Apparently, this school was supposed to serve those who have fallen through the cracks. Apparently, this school uh, has kept them falling in the cracks. For me as a board member, I just think about all the resources that we're providing, and I'm disappointed that I don't think it doesn't appear that we're seeing the kind of change we expect to see. Well, yeah. Students proficient in reading have more than doubled from 6 to 13 with regard to those moving to 5th and 4th grade, but not at his school. I mean, hey, look, I don't know if it's LeBron's fault. I mean, you got to hire the right people. I'm not saying that it is. I'm really not saying that LeBron James is doing anything wrong here. Uh, But I got to tell you, when not one kid passes, and this school is costing the taxpayers $8 million, It's costing $8 million. Now, LeBron gets all the suck from it, right? LeBron gets all the stuff from it. He gets all the publicity from it. He gets all the good stuff from it. He gets all that kind of stuff. But damn. Whew. Speaking of LeBron James, Jeannie Buss says that she is going to retire LeBron James' jersey. Good for her. The standard for having your jersey retire to Lakers when a player is inducted into the Hall of Fame, I have absolutely no doubt. LeBron will make it into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Me neither. When he does, uh, then we will retire his jersey. Knowing he will make it to the Hall of Fame, he will have his Lakers jersey retired. No doubt about that. Nah, that's all right. And by the way, good news on LeBron James's son. Uh, he was seen playing the piano, actually playing some basketball over the weekend. So there's your LeBron James update. If you want more on LeBron James, go watch SportsCenter. If you want more on James Harden in the WNBA, Go watch SportsCenter. If you want a real stuff happening in the world, you keep it right here. Holy cow. Can you imagine being paid by three different teams like Max Scherzer is? Can you imagine being paid by three different teams at minimum $6 million? (laughs) Yeah, let me go back to James's school for a second. People can get mad at him. They can't. They can get mad at him. But now here's what has to happen. I'm sure LeBron James has had. Let me just go back to this one second and explain. Sometimes I read something and move on. Here's what has to happen. Now LeBron James has to put pressure on his superintendent. Now LeBron James has to put pressure on the entire operation. And LeBron James can't. The number of followers, all that kind of. He has to put pressure and he has to put his own money and resources into this. If the teachers aren't good enough or or they don't care enough, then you either got to pay for better teachers or pay for extra tutoring. You've got to check out your curriculum, and you've got to figure it out. See, one of the things that I want to start doing on this show, instead of just complaining about what people are doing, give solutions to it, and that's exactly what LeBron James has to do. LeBron James has to say, okay, my name is being put to this. LeBron James's school, I can, hasn't had anybody pass a math test since they were in third grade. For, all right. All right. Now you got to fix the problem. Maybe you knew, maybe you thought you were fixing it. Now it's your name, your face, your legacy, your thing. You got to fix it. How do you fix it? 
hire the best. Screw this diversity. Screw we're going to get kids that look like me, teachers that look like me. And all. No, no, no. You hire the best. You demand accountability. And if you're going to go to this school, this is what we are going to do. Period. Anything other than that is complete crap. Anything other than that is meaningless. You fix it now. Period. It's like if I were Jimmy Ursay and the Colts. All right, if I were Jimmy Ursay and the Colts, I would do one thing and one thing only. I would keep my stance publicly that, look, we love you, Jonathan Taylor, but we're not budging. I ain't budging. I am not budging. Privately, I'm working with Jonathan Taylor. Privately, I'm saying, look, here's what I'm willing to do. You're coming off an injury. Your production has been down. You're on the pup list. Do yourself a favor, play your contract, we'll see how this goes, and then, ladies and gentlemen, then will we address an extension. But if not, you're still going to make franchise money for a couple years. And if you don't like it, I can't help you. But publicly, I am not wavering because the vast, vast, vast majority of Colts fans are not blaming this on Jimmy Ursay even in the slightest. Not even in the slightest. If you were smart, let me read you. Let me, where to go? Let me read you a post from an NFL executive. Shall I? I think I shall. Because this is so true. This is so true. Ready, set, go. Two injuries. Production way down, missed five games, but with all the Colts' hype and how they dole out extensions for all, why wouldn't? Why wouldn't Jonathan Taylor expect an extension? And he's absolutely right. The problem with Ballard is he tries to be everyone's friend and overcorrecting from the previous regime. You guys had the meanie in there. No one thinks twice to hold out. No one thinks twice to retire. No one thinks twice to even, and they will even bet on their own damn team because they know only hugs are on the other end. And if you don't buy that, then you're out of your mind because that's exactly, exactly true. That's why I'm saying for Jimmy Ursay, you've got to stay strong because you know that your general manager is a fraud doesn't hold people accountable, and away we go. We'll be right back with Michelle Tafoya. Promise you that's what you do. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You love her, you've seen her for years. Now the podcast is absolutely 
blowing up the Michelle Tafoya podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. She is Michelle Tafoya. She's nice enough to join us. All right, Michelle, I'm in Indy. We've got a dust up here with our star football player, Jonathan Taylor. You know, you you were in and around and in the background of all of this kind of stuff. Do you have any sense on what's really going on here? Everybody's posturing. What's really happening here? You know, I wish I could give you a really smart answer, Dan, but I just can't because these things are so hard to un- unravel. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I don't. And and almost every almost every team has got a situation like this. In you know, and so who the hell knows? Is it fair for fans? I'm always curious about this. Is it fair for fans or? Is it so different to say, look, it's still $10 million. Go try to make $10 million with your Wisconsin degree. Is that fair for fans to say? I think it's fair for fans to say whatever they want to say. I'm 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 all about the fans because they're the ones paying the bills, right? Ultimately, they watch the sponsors, the sponsors sell to them, the sponsors then buy the stuff. And and, and they are they are the fans. I, and I don't think fans are monolithic in these opinions. I think that a lot of fans would say, yeah, he needs to hold out. He's worth more than that. And others would say, no, you know. But I, I also think a lot of the, in a number of situations, uh, when you have money issues, there are other issues attached. Like, do I really need to be at camp, you know, for some players, things like that. So I, I think um, – I that's that's been a growing trend that I've seen over the last ten or so years. You think you think owners like I'm looking at Ursay and Ursay's very public about hey look if you die and I die NFL's still going to go on. Jerry Jones very publicly with Zach Martin, you know the star lineman said hey look you sit out all you want. There's consequences to that. Seems like a different take on the owners. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but it feels like owners are kind of like taking their teams back, saying, "Hold on a second, you've been paid for a long time. Stop it." Well, look, I, you know, we thought we had this players' union to sort of go between the owners and the players and and negotiate a lot of this stuff. And in many cases, they do. But I, you know, you can't blame the owners either for being a little frustrated. They own the teams. And and so they this is their franchise. This is what they do. And yeah, to say, hey, the league's going to go on with or without you. I think one thing that some players underestimate is the ability of a coach to move on without them. That's not in, not, not in all cases, right? I think Kansas City would be hard-pressed to move on without Patrick Mahomes, for example. But teams are faced with this stuff all the time. If you get injured, they've got to move on. So they can say to a player fairly safely, look, we love you. We've loved having you. You know, we want you back, but we can go on without you and the world will go on without you. Um, so I, I do think, and I think every owner is very different in his approach, her approach to this kind of thing. You know, it's funny. My dad used to say, hey, look, dummy. This is the world. This is you. The world does not revolve around you. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 wait a second. That's not true. That yeah, it is. revolves around me. Come on. Yeah. I, oh. yeah. I, I think too many people are raised to think that. Um, 
I think your dad was smart. And I think it's something that that we try to instill in our kids. And it's a tough thing to tell people because they are surrounded by people who do believe that the world revolves around them, right? They are surrounded by people who do believe that, people who either have a financial stake or they love them so much and genuinely just believe the world revolves around that person. Um, so So then they come to believe it. They come to believe it. They've existed that way in their lives. Maybe they didn't have a dad or a mom who was willing to say, dude, the world doesn't revolve around you. And if you don't go to practice, if you don't go to school, if you don't show up for camp, they're going to move on. But they are and they, they will. When, when you when you would talk to owners, um, what were how were they generally like people have this view of, you know, the word owner and they see these guys and they're these egomaniacs and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I know, I know I'm sure everybody was nice to you, you know, you're on the sidelines or you're on the field, but, but what was your general impression of NFL owners? My general impression is that they're, they're all distinct and unique, right? Like there's no one like Jerry Jones, um, Jeff Lurie, a totally different brand of owner. There, there are different kinds of owners. I found them all. Yes. They were very nice to me. They treated us well. Um, I'm sure there were some ulterior motors, but I, I felt like a lot of it was also authentic. And some owners, like you look at uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, their ownership is very, very much rooted in certain values. You know, it's they have a family bond there with their team. I would say the same thing probably goes for the Chiefs. I would say the same thing goes for the Jones family. I think I'll just talk about Jerry Jones for a minute. I think he is. He is bigger than life, but he contributed so much to the history of the National Football League. You know, he he did a lot of things that many owners copied because they were really smart and they were really lucrative. They made a lot of money for these owners. So I think Jerry has contributed just a, 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 an MS, inestimable amount to the to the NFL and what it's been able to do and how it's been able to grow. But every owner's different. Some owners you never saw him. very standoffish, didn't want to be around the press. But I mean, they, they all care, I think, deeply about their teams. They all want success. Um, the problem is they're just it's hard. It's difficult. Have you been watching quarterback on Netflix? No. And I've got to. I got to start. I, I That was my thing tonight. Okay, so, uh, you know, I I binged it while I was grounded at LaGuardia for seven hours the other day. So anyway, um, but but one of the things they really do well in this is 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 take a look at Kirk Cousins and show you just how close you can come to advancing and advancing again and how the smallest things matter for an owner, for a quarterback for an offensive line, for anybody, the smallest things separate. So you, then you ask yourself, well, if it's really that, so how can Kansas City win two of them so close together? Well, they have, you know, an, a, 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 an uncanny quarterback who is a generational player. That's how. Um, same with Tom Brady. That's how. That's how they do those things. There aren't enough of those guys to go around. But I'll tell you what, one of the things about the series, I really come to appreciate uh, Kirk Cousins, a lot of things I think that people think about him uh, are are debunked in this show by how hard that guy worked and how tough he was. 
last season. You know, sticking with Cousins, the one thing that and a friend of mine works for the Vikings, the one thing that he's always said, you'll hear Kirk Cousins be criticized, but you don't hear Kirk Cousins really be criticized from his own teammates. They love him. It, it's amazing. And, 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 you know, look, you could say, oh, this was staged. No, no, no. So there are a million, not a million, there are several cameras in a locker room after a win, right? Everyone wants to capture that stuff. NFL films, the team, et cetera. After some of these wins, you should see the way these players rally around Kirk Cousins. And I, I think over time, they have, you know, look, maybe in year one, year two, they didn't really know. And they were always changing coordinators and stuff like that. But but over the course of Kirk's time in Minnesota, it has become clear, and you can see it with your own two eyes, that his teammates really respect him. Uh, he does some things that not every quarterback can do. And he... He not only kept them in games, they had the greatest NFL comeback of all time last season. Of all time. You know, that's sur- surpassed that Frank Reich if people don't remember that last year. It was one of the most incredible things. And so, and a lot of that comes down to the quarterback. So it's a, it's a worthwhile show. I encourage you to watch. Yeah, you know, I'm not allowed. I should. You're always supposed to say, "Yeah, you saw it," but I couldn't lie to you. I can lie to a lot of people, but apparently, I can't lie to you. And you can't that, lie to you know, me. I that, would that know. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I would but see. you know, the the the, the, fa- the fascinating thing here, as you move forward in the NFL, and, and let's stick with quarterbacks for one second. I, I I I've talked this morning about you know. And you and I just spoke about Jerry Jones, and I've been talking about Jimmy Ursay, and they're trying to take their team back. But the one area where I would argue nobody has more leverage in any professional occupation or, excuse me, any professional sport than the quarterback. They have all the leverage right now, right? I mean, that's a different level, the quarterback, as to anybody else in any sport, in any position, in my opinion. I I would say that's the case. I would say for a handful of quarterbacks. I don't think they all have it. I don't think they all have it. Um, One of the other characters in this. Let me me rephrase. uh, Okay. Okay. Can I rephrase? Of course. They all have the, they all have the potential to have it. Like if Justin Fields has a big time year, boom, he's got all the leverage. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They have the potential to have it. I, I I agree with that. I think it is the most difficult position to play in almost any sport, I would think. There is so much responsibility on your shoulders. And, of course, you're always you're the, either the hero or the goat. And I know these things sound cliche. They're cliche for a reason. They're probably true, right? Universally, people feel that way about the quarterback. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's really obvious. The quarterback doesn't have any semblance of an offensive line. They can't get things going. Sometimes the stuff is really obvious. But yes, if you talked about the players that have the most leverage in the NFL, they're going to be quarterbacks. They're going to be Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, um, maybe even a little bit of Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, the, Tom Brady certainly had it. And I, there are, I'm, I'm sure I'm just whiffing on a few. But yes, absolutely. That is the one player that can uh, he really can make or break your season. I love talking about more than football with you, but it's been a fascinating weekend here. I got to get your you you you've, I got to get your perspective on this because you've interviewed coaches forever. I coached for twenty some years. I remember when I was a head coach, I took over for Jim Laranega at Bowling Green, and I'm like, look, 
I'm going to be the first head coach in college basketball to speak really nicely of the guy that I took over for. Because college coaches are notorious for saying, well, you know, my way is the new way and the other. I was shocked by Sean Payton going after Nathaniel Hack and Michelle. Stunned. Yeah, it it was uh, not that many things surprise me anymore. But you're right. In a business where people don't tend to do this. And he did apologize, right? Didn't he come out and apologize? Uh, you know, yeah. not that. Yeah. It's tough, though. The words toothpaste was already out of the tube, right? Um, so, you know, yeah, being in your first season with a franchise, not the greatest move. Uh, and, and yeah, a little surprising. I do think this will take care of itself. I do think this is a flash in the pan. And if 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 he comes out and wins his first, you know, three of five, it's all going to be OK. Uh, but uh, yeah, this I think um I think people are generally a little more careful about that. It was, like I said, very few things surprised me, but that one certainly jumped off the radar. But I don't know that that story has terribly long legs. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I I think holdouts and all. You know, let's be honest. We live where you can't even get upset if someone's mean to you because they're going to go on to the next thing in three minutes, right? I mean, it's like who cares? You know. You know what? Hey, I'll tell you I, something I weird. To, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to tell you this is weird, nope. and this might be TMI. This might be kind of too revealing, but I had a dream last night that people were trying to cancel me. And the way they were trying to cancel me was through my library card and my bank accounts. And it was terrifying. But that's that. And then I woke up. I don't even have a library library card. card? No, I don't. And as a matter of fact, I don't. But I just remember trying to call the library and saying, they're lying about me. They're lying about me. Anyway, that's just bizarre. Uh, Little aside. uh, Little aside. Was the cop's name Beekman from Seinfeld, library <laughs> cop? Was that who was coming after you last night? Yeah, it it that- might have been. <laughs> might have been. Hey, last, last thing before I let you go. Uh, I, I, I want to get your opinion on this because we're really big on this. Riley Gaines has joined OutKick. We've had Riley on, and you have too, and a, and a variety of people. But I was stunned by a dumbass senator. I think he was a senator huh. that said, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, you got a woman's locker room, but there should have been some divider. Like, what are you talking about some divider in a woman's locker room? How about just put a dude that's a dude with dude stuff in the dude's locker room, Michelle? I, I'm stunned by how difficult and how stupid this is. There were so many stupid things said at that hearing, right? That was among them. <laughs> a- another one was calling them Republican bullies about this. Uh, really? Did you listen to Chloe Cole? Did you watch her cry? Did you think that was bullying? Do you think that Paula Scanlon who went through her own um, sexual attack and was just so forthcoming. You think that was bullying? This is not bullying. See, we're giving up. Women are having to give give up and sacrifice all their rights to privacy and competition and fair competition and all of these other for the, for the sake of this tiny, tiny section of humanity who deserves respect, deserves it. But yeah, you know what the divider in the women's locker room is? The door. And then, then there's the other door to the men's locker room. That's the divider. That's it's always been the divider. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I talk with friends a lot about how every day you wake up and you shake your head and you go, this is this is still a thing. We're still talking about this in the headlines. And people call it, damn, what I hate is being called a transphobe over this or anti-trans. No, you know what I am? 
I'm pro-fairness and I'm pro-women. And women have worked a really long time. It was only 1920 that we got the vote, all right? So, and then it was late, much later than that that Title IX allowed us to compete equally in sports. And I remember it very clearly, and a lot of women benefited. And now you're saying that it is okay for someone who is totally built differently to come in and compete against these women and take their spots on the podium away from them or their spots on the roster away. To me, there is no argument here. Uh, you either come up with a separate category or you compete with the biology, you know, in the category of which you were part of when you came into the world. Not your assigned sex, your biological sex, right? It's it's science. I thought we weren't science deniers in this country or science deniers were looked down upon. This is science. This is biology. This is fairness. This is what should be happening. And I, I just... That's that hearing to me, as many of them are, they turn into theater, right? But I don't know who these senators are that they think that they're gaining some sort of support by bashing women and Republicans for this tiny minority of people. And granted, that's that segment is growing. Um, I'm not entirely sure why that is all of the sudden i think we all have our thoughts on why it is but my goodness uh it's like it's like women all that we've gained just doesn't matter just doesn't mean enough anymore to these people and and, and i and i wish more women <laughs> how about this i wish more women had the balls that riley james has <laughs> I, as soon as you stopped and said, how about this? I knew exactly where you were at. This guy, <laughs> I did. Uh, hey, but it's true. Like, I, like, I think I tell you, my stepdaughter's playing at Harvard. They're playing Yale. Now, Leah Thomas is a dude transitioning to a woman. Yale has a guy on the team transitioning to a female, and he's playing on the woman's team, and the guy transitioning. Wait. Uh, wait, what was it? A guy transitioning to a female is Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas competes against the women. Yeah. A woman transitioning to a male, that guy, that girl plays against the women. Like, everybody plays against the women. It drives me nuts. See, exactly. You, you never see the reverse, right? And there's a reason for that. Can you imagine even the best player in the WNBA, the best player, saying... You know what? I think I'm going to transition and I'm going to go try out for the NBA. Can you imagine that? I, I would think yeah. that there would probably be one team that would say, you know what, we got to sign for social justice and we got to sign that player. But they, I don't, maybe they'd get in a game for a minute or two and, and get schooled. It's, it's not a difference of, um, you see, you think it's a put down to women to say that they can't compete against men. No, it's not. No, it's not. Even the, one of Riley Gaines' favorite lines of mine was that her husband was a swimmer at Kentucky as well, and when and she was she was winning trophies and NCAA's and stuff. They'd get in the pool together. He'd kick her ass. You know why? Because he's built differently and he's stronger. It's it's reality. I I, I <laughs> people that act like that such a put down. 
like have never, my wife, I think I've told you, she's legendary in the world of softball and All-American, Olympian, all this crap, oh, not crap, all this stuff. And she's like, Dan, I played baseball until the boys just got bigger and stronger. I was the best baseball player at eight, at 10. Then all of a sudden the boys turned 13, 14. I went and played softball. That's not a put down. That's just a reality. We don't. It's we a don't reality. Live in reality. We live in. No. We live in an alternate. No, I, that's what's so scary. We live. We're living in an alternate, an alternate reality that is a, kind of a dangerous one because we don't think things that are real are real, and and when you don't right. think things that are real are real, and then you also think that other things that aren't real are real, like uh, you know, like words or violence. These things, it, it gets very dicey out there, and uh, I, that's why I, I just. I continue to talk about it. I, I was Dennis Prager was on my show the other day and we were talking about how there's just so much cowardice. People are afraid to speak out, afraid to stand up for themselves, afraid. And so we turn into these sheep that just follow whatever is the thing of the day, right. Or the thing of the year without any kind of resistance. That's we need courage in this country to be able to just say, look, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept this, this bizarre opinion just to make you feel better. I'm not. We just, to quote you, we just need a set of balls. <laughs> I guess then we'd all be trans men, right? Or, or whatever, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Tafoya podcast. Go subscribe, like, watch. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome Thanks. stuff. Fun. Really fun. See you, always. See you soon. That's the great Michelle Tafoya. Go to her podcast. It used to be called Sideline Sanity. Now it is called the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. You can get Michelle's podcast wherever you get podcasts. You're just going to get real talk. You're going to get, like, common sense. That is what she just said there. And what we're talking about is true. It's like stuff that's 1,000% real based on biology all of a sudden isn't true. Oh, all right. I swear to God I am sitting right now in this chair but it would be akin to somebody saying, well, you're not really sitting in that chair because we don't believe it to be true. And the other thing, my God, Bobby Barak wrote this the other day on the Outkick, uh, Outkick.com, and he's so right when he said, look, it is okay now to come out and defend common sense. You can come out now. You can come out and defend. You can come out and speak up. You can come out and talk because even though journalists are still up your backside about it, and they are the number one folks for censorship, I got to tell you, they don't matter anymore. They don't matter. Used to be they mattered. Now they don't matter. They just don't matter. They don't matter. Speaking of this, Congressman Wesley, Wesley Hunt, has to start becoming one of our favorites. Now, I know there's all kind of different things congressmen say. I know there's all kind of things congressmen do. But to piggyback on what Michelle and I were just talking about, I hope these guys can call this up because uh, I'm going off script here just for a minute. But Congressman Wesley Hunt went off on trans sports and the big debate, boys and girls and girls and boys and whatever else. Let's hear from the congressman. And I can assure you that my four-year-old and my two-year-old daughters will not change in front of biological men. This is ridiculous. I don't care what party you are a part of. If you think that we're all equal and the same biologically, you've literally lost your mind. And when my two daughters work hard in the sport, 
work hard in their craft to be the best that they can be amongst other women, they will compete against other women. I owe Victoria and Olivia and every other young lady in this country that. If you think I'm wrong, I am not the problem. I can assure you. We have an opportunity in this country to get this right in 2024 so we can stop all of this foolishness. Foolishness is a great word. Wesley Hunt, uh, Lee and I were watching this and we're like cheering, going, go, go. It's exactly right. And there is nobody that is going to <laughs> speak up against that because you can't. I mean, if you are speaking up against that, then you have one thing on your mind, and that is pandering. And he eliminated it, Wesley Hunt did, by the way he stated it, using the words like foolishness, etc. That was glorious. That wasn't kind of, sort of, maybe good. That was great. And we need more congressmen, and we need more congresswomen, and we need more media people, and we need more editors, and we need more uh, social media influencers and TikTok and all the other crap that we got going here, people to stand up and say, this is stupid because it is stupid. Jeez, my goodness. I mean, it's like you sit here and you go, wait, you're not gaslighting me. You're not telling me that men against women and women against men is equal. It's just not. And then try to make me out to be some kind of phobe. I don't give a damn what you say. I don't give a damn what you do. I don't give a damn what you write. And good that people, including Congressman Wesley Hunt, are standing up. Seriously, good for them. Great for them. Thank you. Thank you big time for that. I mean, seriously, if I go to the YouTube chat, uh, no fun league. This guy is speaking the truth. Who's your daddy? Good man. Uh, Kinnishell, foolish. Great word. Yo, Sava. Uh, should, yeah, I should, we should try to get him on the show. You're exactly right. Wesley Hunt would be a good dude to have her on the show. Jen Gritty says she's very intimidated by Michelle Tafoya. I've never met Michelle, but I feel like we're good friends. I do. Hey, did you see this? I can't wait till tonight. You Reds fans out there, let's go. Let's go. Cubs, Reds, four games set in, well, I was going to say Riverfront, in Great America Ballpark. Lee! You want to go to Reds-Cubs game tonight? But if it's hot, I ain't going because it's hot in Cincinnati. Maybe we'll just watch on TV because I got a job to do tomorrow. But anyway, it's a four-game set. Yeah. In Cincinnati. Cubs are only three out in the loss column. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So baseball, let's go to it. Sets a 10-year, 10-year high in Saturday attendance. That's right. And many people, and they should, are attributing it to the pitch clock. Well, you know, Hillary Clinton said it's so hot that Republicans are are at fault. Well, okay, it's hot. So you take your shirt off, you get hammered, you put your head on backwards, you sit in the bleachers, you have 867,722 beers, and you have a great day because it's only going to be two, two and a half hours most because of the pitch clock. Yeah! I'm... Down with this. More pitch clock. More, more, more pitch clock. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The lovely Lee Ross brought me coffee. LLRD. Awesome. You should have seen what LLRD put together this weekend up in Ottawa, up Ottawa Lake, Michigan. A memorial for her mother. My wife is spectacular. If you had the opportunity to play for my wife at Syracuse Bowling Green or at Notre Dame High School, you had a lucky, lucky, lucky experience. She had some former players come. They were awesome. Uh, salute to my beautiful wife and her brother, Donnie. It was absolutely spectacular. Lee Ross Dockage, the lovely Lee Ross Dockage. You rock, lady. You rock. What she put together in memorial for her mother was insane with her friend Jamie and her husband, Matt. Just great, great people all weekend. Stock up, stock down. The Texas Rangers stock up. Ladies and gentlemen, the Texas Rangers ain't messing around. They went and got Max Scherzer. True story. Lee and I went to one Cubs game so far this year. We're sitting there and we're watching the Rangers, and they were so bad. The second baseman Olay's one. The right fielder runs into the center fielder. The right fielder kicks one. We're out in the bleachers. People are screaming at the guy. It was fantastic. It was nuts. Well, the Texas Rangers are not messing around. The Texas Rangers are playing some baseball, and the Texas Rangers are saying, look, if you got a chance and we got the money, we going for it. So they decide they're going to get Max Scherzer, everybody and their mother, and I mean everybody and their mother in, the Ma in Major League Baseball is paying Max Scherzer. They got to pay him $6.7 million. Hey, why not take him? Right now the Texas Rangers are 60-46, and 46, game ahead of the Astros, five games ahead of the Angels. So, look, I'm not mad. I couldn't believe how wrong I am. I've been wrong sometimes about actual performance on the field, but I'm never wrong about culture and things of that nature. And that's why you should listen to us when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Jerry Jones, I love you, baby. Michelle Tafoya told you, stock up to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has done a ton for the history of football, but stock up to Jerry Jones. And I'll throw Jimmy Ursay in there for saying, hey, right here. I like Zach Martin. I watched Zach Martin play high school basketball. He was really good. I watched him play against Yogi Ferrell. When Shatar took on, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, where'd Yogi go? Yogi went to Park Tudor. It was a really good game. Zach Martin was a good basketball player for a high school kid. Big, strong guy, all that kind of happy horse bleep. Uh, so I'm a fan, but I got to tell you, Jerry Jones is saying, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to move along. We've paid you a lot over the years, uh, but we got to pay other people. We got to pay Parsons. We got to pay some guys. So good for Jerry Jones. Good for Jim Irsay, as we documented all day. Stock up. Oh, baby, this is a big week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Cubs take on the beloved, the hated, the I don't even know if I care about them. Cincinnati Reds. Eladea Cruz, my ass. I'm not rooting for him. Here's the deal. The Cubs are taking on 
after winning nine of ten, uh, nine of eleven. They lost yesterday, but who cares? Cubs have a chance to come out of this weekend. Let me show it to you. Passing the Reds. Now, I don't know if they'd be in first place because the Brewers are right there tied with the Reds, but they have a chance to pass the Reds in the loss column. Stock up. Now, by Thursday, I may be saying, oh, I hate the Cubs. Cubs stinks. But I'm telling you, right now, stock up because my fatass is going to sit right over there and watch a meaningful game. It's not August, but let's just say it's August. Stock down New York Mets. You know, if any, are they cursed? Let me put it this way. Can they not get out of their own way? Steve Cohen bought the team, spent money, highest payroll in the history of the NFL. Next thing you know, they're paying a guy $36 million who isn't even on the team anymore. They're paying Max Scherzer $36 million. Part of the deal was Scherzer's got a good agent. He got eight more million to waive his trade clause. Wow. No trade clause. Wow. So once again, everybody blamed their Wilpon, Wilpon family. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not the Wilpon family. Maybe, ladies and gentlemen, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it's going to be when you are the New York Mets. It's just the way the world is going to go when you are the M-E-T-S, Mets, Mets, Mets. Hey, Jonathan Taylor, shut up and play. You know what I mean? Uh, can we show a picture? I don't know if Dylan has it up yet. Yeah, he does. Dylan, let's show a picture of this guy. Look at this guy. So this Wiz Khalifa wannabe, this Suge Knight wannabe, is apparently the agent of Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor is set to make about 10 mil this year. Jonathan Taylor is on the last year of his contract. Here's the deal. The Colts, though, have been so willing, so willing to give ridiculous extensions under this Ballard regime that they did not need to. But they gave them. They gave them to Ryan Kelly. They gave them to Quentin Nelson. They gave them to a linebacker, Derry or Shaq Leonard. They gave them to a lineman, Braden Smith. And you know what? Why wouldn't Jonathan Taylor think he was going to get extended before his rookie deal went up? Why wouldn't he when that's all the Colts have done? Every one of those deals has been banned for the Colts. So the Colts, on the other hand, are going, hey, why would we give a deal? So this idiot here, he decides that he's going to go public. He's going to criticize Jim Ursay. Jonathan Taylor's all worked up, and Jonathan Taylor has now requested a trade. Hey, Jonathan, do yourself a favor. Take that degree from Wisconsin. Trot it out there. See if anybody's going to give you $10 million a year. You're a diversity guy. You're a smart guy. You got everything going for you. I'm sure somebody will hire you. Yeah, I'm sure $10 million will be an easy make for you. And that agent, you know, everybody's blaming the agent. The agent's doing what an agent's trying to do, get more money, and he's doing it publicly. Maybe that's the way he felt, but it ain't the agent. And it ain't Jonathan Taylor. It's the culture of the Colts led by Chris Ballard, established by Chris Ballard. That leads him to believe, hey, everybody else got extended. Why not me? You extended all these other people. 
And when the contracts went bad, all you get is hugs in Indy. All you get is a general manager that has no balls about him, no accountability, no nothing. So why wouldn't Jonathan Taylor and his creepy-looking agent expect that, oh, my God, oh, my God, I should get an extension? It's unbelievable to me that people aren't that smart. Of course it's the Colts. Is there a worse human being than Joe Biden? No, seriously. I put a tweet out the other day that said this guy is legitimately the on the Mount Rushmore of bad human beings. He is. You can get mad at me for saying it. You can get upset. You can do whatever. But this guy is on the Mount Rushmore. So all of a sudden in a Friday news dump, this guy acknowledges his seventh granddaughter, Navy. And when somebody asked him a question... Oh, I don't know. Joe Biden called the guy classy. You're a real class guy. Well, Joe Biden, you're the worst human being alive. Nonviolent crime division, non-murder division, not sexual assault division, you know, non-crime division, non-violent crime division. I really believe that. I think this guy, he's like a caricature of the old guys back in the olden days that thought they were Frank Sinatra. He's like that guy. So then they tried to have a guy, a whistleblower, arrested this weekend. Some whistleblower is going to get up there and say, yeah, Hunter Biden's a crook. Yeah, this is what we did. He's got documentation. He's got recordings. He's got all this stuff. So what does Joe Biden do? Joe Biden's trying to have this guy arrested. As of this moment, I mean, I'll check Twitter. I haven't checked Twitter in a while. But as of this moment, or now Twitter is actually X, which I'm down with. I could care less. People get worked up about the dumbest things. But the Biden whistleblower, I don't think, let me look, has been arrested. He is legitimately the worst human being on the planet. I'm sorry. And... He takes vacations, and then, to make it even worse, he's got these titties, and he's fat, and he's ridiculous. He is the most unself-aware human being alive. I mean, the IRS whistleblower, Joseph Ziegler, is calling for a special counsel, calling for special counsel to get this guy. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. The world is nuts, but that's the worst guy walking. Hey, vote for him all you want. Argue with me all you want. But the dude finally acknowledged the seventh stepdaughter. I was watching CNN yesterday, and some guy, he said, well, you know, Joe, this is exactly how he said, well, you know, Joe Biden's a great family man. Please. Please. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Friday news dump. Yeah, we wish the best for all of our grandchildren, including Navy. I don't even care about it. Just don't be such an arrogant, lying prick. Speaking of arrogance, how about Georgia football? How about, how about Georgia football? So Georgia football has had more arrests than I don't even know who. I honestly don't. I, I don't know. Georgia football had another clown arrested. Another moron. That got arrested. Oh, wait, for what? Let me look. Hold on. Oh, my God. This is so hard to figure. What could a Georgia... Speeding. Speeding. So, guy gets... Or lady gets killed. She's drunk. She's a little recruiting girl hanging out with a big old lineman. 
at 3 o'clock in the morning. She gets killed. Every slap on George's team has a big fast car, and these idiots are all getting arrested. And so the latest idiot, some clown named Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, was uh, was cited for speeding earlier this week. That's at least a dozen who have been charged. They got this idiot going 90. I ain't mad about it. I went 90 yesterday. I'm not. I don't care. I honestly don't. But at some point, some point, if you're Georgia, I get it. You won a football game. I get it. You took a ball and you crossed the line more times than the other guys took a ball and crossed the line. But we got deaths. We've got crashes. We've got, I don't know. Okay, I get it. You took a football. Your big fat guys and fast guys moved it farther than the other team more times. Yay, rah. Doesn't mean you can become a menace to society in the city of Athens in the state of Georgia. Doesn't mean you guys have to terrorize a town. Be people. Be human beings. Think. Jeez. Ah. Uh, Bill Belichick, now this is where you got to, this is like Bobby Knight stuff, those of you Indiana people. So Bill Belichick doesn't like the new stadium. He doesn't like the new Giants scoreboard in Gillette Stadium. This is what I love about coaches. Bill uh, Bill Polian used to get mad at my college roommate, Mike Fox. Mike was running the Hoosier Dome for years. And then it became Lucas Oil Stadium. But Mike ran the dome, right? And everybody got mad. Everybody got, no, not everybody. Not everybody got mad. But what, what happened here was one time the temperature in the visitor's locker room wasn't warm enough for Belichick or for Polian's liking. He wanted it hot. He wanted a little bit of a silly advantage there. So he got all after Mike Fox, and Mike Fox told him to kiss his ass, and that ended it because you can't be a bully allow yourself to be bullied by bullies. So Belichick is now, well, he's mad. He says that this giant new video board changes wind patterns. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I would be mad too. I have one objective, or I had one objective when I was coaching Bowling Green to win. That's it. I mean, and my last three, four years, I didn't. And I had no chance of winning. And it had nothing to do with Anderson Arena. It had nothing to do with anything. You know what it had to do with? It had to do with we had everybody hurt. We didn't have good enough players as walk-ons and to, to fill the void of players being out. Nothing I can do about that. But I did pay attention to the rims. I did pay attention to backgrounds. I did pay attention to where we are shooting in first and second halves. I did. I did. Pay attention to everything as a coach. So I ain't mad at Belichick. I'm not at all. And he's not wrong. He's really not. He's not. He's not. I mean, don't get mad at me. He's he's not wrong here. But the truth of the matter is, Belichick, mm, when he's speaking now, it just doesn't have the same cachet, does it? It just doesn't. When you're not winning, you just don't pay that much attention to it. Hey, Brittany Griner is taking two weeks off. Brittany Griner, she of the Hate America... Go to Russia, be dumb enough to put weed in your bag, get arrested, not falsely accused, according to Russian law. Hey, look, she gets out of there uh, in an exchange for the most murderous dude in the world because she's a black lesbian. 
woman. She checks all the boxes for Joe Biden. Doesn't matter that you've got Marine over there for a much longer time on the same chart. Doesn't matter. We got to get the black lesbian basketball player woman out because, well, that's what we're supposed to do. So Brittany Griner is mad or sad or whatever, and she needs two weeks off. She needs to. First, she needed a private plane. Then she needed two weeks off. Hey, good for Brittany Griner. I'm not mad at you. You do you, Brittany Griner. You do you. You need two weeks, you take two weeks off. Pete Buttigieg took six to eight weeks off. Hell, I've never taken it. I, I feel guilty taking this Friday off. But Brittany, you do you, baby. Yeah. Is there anything funnier, seriously, than the WNBA? Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, come on. Come on, Big Z. Come on, Z-Will. Come on, Mount Zion. Come on, Zion Williamson. Come on, Zion. You're getting sued again. This is the summer of Zion. So Zion Williamson did what a lot of NBA players did. He took a bunch of money. And he didn't want to pay it back. Why should I have to pay it back? Why do I got to pay it back? I'm Zion Williamson. Look at me. Everybody loves me. I shouldn't have to pay nothing back. Don't ever, ever, ever deal with an NBA player except Michael Jordan. His deals are Magic Johnson's. Their deals seem to go good. Zion Williamson, his mother and stepfather, being sued for failing to pay $1.8 million in loans to a California-based tech company. In the lawsuit, Inc. PBC said it loaned the family $2 million in September of 2021 and had been expecting the money back by last August. The company specialized in blockchain-related technologies used in finance and data storage, states the lawsuit that it hoped Zion Williamson could serve as a spokesman. According to the lawsuit, Anchor reasonably believed that the Williamson stepfather, Lee Anderson, possessed the authority to negotiate business, negotiate business agreement for Williams. Anchor also helped uh, Williamson with community events, identified a physical trainer, and a chef. Well, hell, I'd sue Anchor if you proposed the physical trainer and the chef. Uh, A-N-K-R also alleged Anderson, the stepfather, told the company that his family would suffer financial hardship. Williamson would not enter a business agreement with Ank if the loan was not made immediately. So this idiot is strong-arming him. All right. 500000 they received. 300 of that covered interest. Remaining $1.8 not repaid. There you go, Big Z. All right. Yeah. So this idiot did what idiots do. And I'm not talking about Williamson. I'm talking about the company Anchor. Anchor gets in bed with greedy stepfathers of NBA players. There's a lot of cliches in this world, but the stepfather of an NBA player is 99.9% of the time a jackass. I'm sorry. He just is. And Should you not understand that dealing with Zion Williamson, anybody related, hell, even Duke, anybody at Duke that's related in Zion Williamson, you're just dumb. You're just dumb. Period. Just dumb. Moronic. Stupid. 
If you deal with a former Indiana basketball player in business, you're stupid. Boom. Dumb. If you deal with an NBA player in business, you're dumb. If you loan money to an NBA player, you're even dumber. Stupid. White, black, I don't care. Mm-mm. Dumb. D-U-M-B. Dumb. Speaking of dumb, every day we give you woke dope Every day at about this time, we show you some wokes and how dopey they are. Well, that company that gave Zion Williamson, you're just dumb. Let's go to woke dope baby. Oh, man. Uh, take me to your leaders. Then you got to be kissing and sniffing. I was wrong. Take me back to my ship. Can you imagine? Seriously. Can you imagine if somebody, oh my God, look at him. That looks like a combination Joe Biden, Ted Koppel. Do you guys remember Ted Koppel on Nightline every night on ABC News when the news and journalists actually had our respect? That looks like a combination of the two. Take me to your leader. And the leader turned out to be Joe Biden and Camilla Harris. Speaking of Camilla Harris, she said the other day that all most Americans are one $400 payment away from being bankrupt. Really? Now, who's that bottom guy? I see Ryan is up to his old hijinks again. Ryan is getting it done. You can keep them coming. Which way do I move here to make this look better? All right. What's next? Give me another one. Can we land yet? No, it's too early. At the moment, they are trying to change the weather by eating bugs and getting rid of wood stoves and making meat out of what? I don't even know, artificial meat because cows farting changed the weather according to a 12-year-old little girl named Greta. Greta's mad. Greta, Greta, El Gore and Greta are mad. If El Gore and Greta are mad, then we must eat the bugs. It is time for bug foolery. <laughs> Apparently, the theme of today is U, uh, UFOs. What else you got, UFO-wise? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, all right, you got to help me with this one. Oh, is that Greta? <laughs> Why do we care about what some 18-year-old thinks about the world? My childhood... My childhood got ruined because I would worry about global warming. You're an idiot. Get yourself, a, as they said in uh, vacation, get a stack of nudie books this high. Will climate lockdowns be necessary to fight the climate crisis? Yes, just lock us all down. Just, just, hey, seriously, just lock us all down. I, I'm telling you, now you start getting into this. We went after it one time. But you start getting into this, then you're going to have a problem. Then, you know what? They say you'll have a revolution. Well, you know. I don't really know all the words. I got to move this way. You got to free your mind and stay. So Raina Skeever said, well, yes, yeah, lock everybody. Give that. A, take a swing. Seriously. I mean, yeah, just, just, just do that. Just lock us all down because, well, you idiots think that, you know, I don't know. I remember when there were going to be no more glaciers. I remember when it was going to be 
uh, the sun was going to go away. I remember when Al Gore and John Kerry and all these people told us all this stuff. Oh, man. All right, more on Jonathan Taylor tomorrow. But the deal is simple. If you think about the Colts, last thing for you Colts fans, if you think about the Colts, what do we got? We got a horse bleep rookie quarterback that can't throw the ball to me to that TV screen. We got a general manager that doles out hugs because, well, the previous guy was too mean. Ryan Grigson was mean. He was too mean to the players. The punter didn't like him. Uh, The OGs didn't like him. He was too mean. That's right. He was a meanie. As my daughter used to say, Daddy, you're being a meaner. I go, yeah, I am. So now we got this guy who hugs people. Now we got this guy who gets in front of the camera, cries. Chris Ballard says, white people, you're bad. Then he got in front of the camera and told us ARs or AKs. He got it all wrong. Bad. Then he hired the Mensa guy, Frank Reich, who knelt. (laughs) But the punter didn't like him. Yeah. Only, I love the punter. Look, I love McAfee. I love McAfee. Don't get me mad. Don't get me started. But we are the only town in America, in the history of America, that has a football team that cares about what the punter thinks. I do. Hey, look, I don't want the punter coming after me, and I love him. Anyway, get off Pat McAfee's ass for a tweet. Who cares? You'll get, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. I swear to God, you'll be okay. And have a great rest of your day. I got to go speak to a bunch of cops. I'm going to speak to a bunch of police officers uh, from around the state in Fishers, Indiana, about my bikes program. If you want to participate in my bikes program, go to dandockets.com. We take donations. We take anything. We just don't take bikes because we got to get new ones. We're gearing up to get a bike giveaway. My mom, to my wife, I couldn't love you more. What she did and her friend Jamie and Matt did to set up a memorial for my, my mother-in-law who just deceased, who just died, was unbelievable. The detail they put into it, man. The love I saw this weekend was fan-freaking-tastic. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Nick and Dylan and Ryan and Aaron, thank you guys all for all the work that you do. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be right here again. See you.